Welcome to a, another episode of The National Pulse. I'm Raheem Kassam, Editor-in-Chief of TheNationalPulse.com. Now with all new servers, <laughs> thank those of you who had some trouble getting on the site in the last 24 hours, just doing a quick server upgrade. Make sure everything goes nice and smoothly in the long run. Because as we grow as a news organization, and the traffic grows, obviously, it helps to have a stable website. So I thank all of you who have chipped in at fundrealnews.com to help us out, to join the growing membership of the National Pulse. None of it, none of our news and investigations, whether it's CCP, the virus, Fauci, Congressional Democrats, we caught, by the way, I had the exclusive up on the site this morning, AOC hanging out in Garfield Park here in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Remember, she wants you to wear a mask everywhere you go, but she didn't have one on when she went to watch the volleyball this weekend. And of course, we are not mask Nazis here at the National Pulse, but I happen to believe in a certain thing, and that is if you quote the rules, you can obey them. Welcome to another episode. It is Monday, the 19th of April, the year of our Lord, 2021. And I'm going to do a story today with you guys on the show that you might at first think, I'm not interested in that. But let me tell you, pay close attention to just even the next five minutes of this. And if we don't have you gripped with why this matters and why it matters to you and your communities and um, your local insert sporting team here, um, then turn off. But just listen a little bit and understand what's going on here. It's fascinating. It's emblematic of everything else that's going on in almost every other industry in the world right now, and that is the story of the European Super League, which is a big story in Europe at the moment, and it should be a big story here too. I'm going to bring in one of my good friends, Benjamin Harris Quinn. He's the chairman of the oldest conservative think tank in the world, uh, and based out of the United Kingdom, uh, Ben Harris Quinney. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Ray. Pleasure. So some people will be asking the question, you know, what does a conservative think tank uh, have to say about football or soccer, as they call it here uh, in the United States? And why would a predominantly American podcast audience be interested in what a conservative think tank has to say about soccer? Uh, but you and I have batted over this issue for, for years now, actually talking about how, how everything is set up in, in that world and what a massive obviously uh, market it is, what a huge television market it is, but more, most importantly, you know, what what an important thing, uh, you know, this is for people's local communities all across Europe, uh, and indeed increasingly so in the United States, um, and also the ramifications it has for other sports. So, so let's do the news at the top of this. Tell us what's going on first, and then we'll get into why it's important. Well, completely out of the blue, yesterday, um, it was announced that 15 of the biggest 
European football clubs, um, including six of the, the biggest clubs in the United Kingdom, were going to split off from their existing league and form a new European-wide Super League. And they were doing so without any consultation with the fans, without any consultation with anyone involved in, in, in football, the managers even of their own clubs. The manager of Manchester United was interviewed yesterday and said, I don't really know anything about this. This is all being done by the people that have come into football over the last few decades, that a lot of them have no interest in the sport of football. They have no interest in the game. They have no interest in the place that their football teams represent. They're, they're just uh, globalist operators, um, oligarchs. Uh, they're, they're, they're only interested in the, in the financial side of it. Um, and, and as a result, they have no conception of how unpopular what they are doing is going to be. And, and really, I mean, you know, we can go into this a bit more with, with why it matters. But really, this isn't about football. It's about globalization. Yep. Um, and it's about the destruction of identity. Yep. And that's the big one, right? Because, because at the heart of every, um, well, most, but you would, you would hope every football club is 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 identity it, it is it is it may be local identity it may be regional identity um it may be uh, you know there may even be national identity and national pride behind some of these bigger teams um but what the what these guys are now planning ben if i understand it correctly is effectively the the, the dismantling of the leagues and the competitions as we have known them to create their own superset of 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 hyper elite what they deem as the elite players and the elite teams who will always qualify for one particular super tournament which is and and, and here's the interesting thing folks which is bankrolled debt financed by jp morgan that's right and it, it completely defeats the two key principles of, of football and indeed of sport. The first one being it matters whether you win or lose, right? And the whole reason it, it's fascinating and it grips people so, so significantly is that um, it, is a, it is a visceral battle. And uh, whether you win or lose is, is the difference between whether you lift that trophy or whether you get relegated or whether you get promoted the competition is what makes it what it is. Mm. And if you remove the competition and just say, well, every year it's going to be the same 15 teams, it doesn't matter whether they win, lose, do whatever, right. they're all going to just automatically be in it. And the second point is that football and all sport is really about the fans. It's not about plutocrats. Um, and if you've got a situation where you are a Manchester United fan, and in the past you were going across town to, to, to watch Manchester United play Manchester City or you were going um, you know, a, a few miles away to watch Manchester United play Leeds. Um, that's something that fans can engage in. If suddenly you've got a situation where uh, you, know, you, you finish up your job on, on a Saturday and you've got to fly from Manchester to Turin yeah. to, to watch your team play yeah. or you've got to fly to Madrid, um, it, it, that, that, that's, that's not what football was all about. It's a working class sport for ordinary people um, who can do ordinary jobs and still afford to go, not be part of the international jet set in order to, to, to follow their football teams. 
And this goes to um, a lot of what Americans have experienced um, here in the United States as it pertains to, to their national pastimes. And so, you know, obviously you've seen this huge incursion from woke capital into sporting events uh, in the United States. Obviously there's baseball, there's, uh, uh, you know, uh, American football, there is, you know, impinging on the, the golf and the masters and all of that and everything that's going on around the Georgia uh, elections, you know, certification process and all the regulations and new rules that are being brought in to ensure ballot integrity and all these uh, woke corporations are chiming in. And JP Morgan in this regard is no different. I'm sure they had a black square up, you know, on their on their Instagram feed and, uh, you know, t- tweeting hashtag Black Lives Matter and all of this. And of course, just to give a wider context to how Marxism is is targeting sports and specifically targeting football, Ben, tell tell the audience um, exactly. You know, when you watch a when you watch a, a football match, a soccer match in in England right now, you know how much of the screen and the billboards and the corner flags and and the you know things in the stands are consumed by either rainbow flags or, or Black Lives Matters uh, hashtags. Well, I think a lot of Americans just won't believe this because I talk about this a lot on social media and get responses from Americans. Americans, they just can't understand how this has been allowed to happen. But after the the, the death of George Floyd, um, the the Premiership, which is our main league, like the like the NFL, mm. um, enacted policies that meant that every single player that would ordinarily have their names on the back of their shirt, so you know who they are, you know who's scoring the goals, changed every single name to Black Lives Matter. So you're watching the football, you had no idea what was going on. Who scored Black Lives Matter? You know, no idea what was going on but this, in, in like, that regard. Let me just be clear. This didn't happen for like, you know, the first game of the season, right? Yeah. It, it, well, it happened immediately following. I can't remember the no, exact... No, but I mean, but I mean it wasn't just for, just for the first game as some kind of just, you know, it lasted. Oh, no, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the game after George Floyd died. Right. This went on for months. Yeah. And what is one every on- every match, by the way, right? Every, every match. match. Yeah. So it wasn't just one team doing this, and it wasn't just you know one match a week would do. It's every match, every week for a series of months. The players had on their backs, you know, number nine, Black Lives Matter. Number two, Black, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, oh, Black right. Lives Matter then- passed to Black Lives Matter, and Black Lives Matter scores. Quite, quite. Um, so it became almost unwatchable. And then you, you've got a situation where since then there's a, there's a minute silence and a taking of the knee, which is not a British thing, the taking of the knee. That's something that's entirely borrowed from America. Yeah. That has now been going on for over a year at every single football match. So I believe that now makes it the, the, the biggest and longest period of mourning in British history for anything. World War II, uh, the passing of monarchs, Prince Philip got a, a minute silence at the start of the games, but I'm sure in a year's time they won't still be doing a minute silence for Prince Philip in the way that they were for George Floyd. And then, so George Floyd whole, must have had some serious UK links for all this to be going on, right? Of course, yeah. And we <laughs> he know, must have been part of the royal how, family. We know well, his how, name is George. How, we know how important a, a figure he was in British football. Well, <laughs> everything you, you achieved in the sport, but. You, 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 so you had all that going on and, th- and they've now thought well that wasn't enough so now what you've got is where the scores are and the teams are, are, are placed in the in the top corner of the screen you've now got a, a sign that is you know fixed to your to your screen as part of the broadcast that says Black Lives Matter you've then got um, permanently, no permanently on screen 
permanently, permanently on the screen. You, event, of course, no fans are allowed in the stadium. That would be ridiculous. So there are no fans. What you have instead of fans is just these huge banners that are spanning sort of 70,000 seat stadiums that just say Black Lives Matter or the rainbow flag. And when the fans very briefly did get back into the stadiums, of course, they booed all this stuff and then were banned from ever coming to the games again. Um, and to the extent where some, some fans of Burnley Football Club actually hired a plane to, with, a, with a sign at the back of it saying all lives matter, and they were, were subsequently doxxed and banned from ever attending a Burnley game again. So it seems like football is now, they're not interested in anyone coming to watch it. They're interested in rainbow flags, Black Lives Matter signs, and, and joining up to this uh, elite international system of, of jet set that involves no fans, uh, but just involves, you know, selling TV rights to Amazon so people can watch it in China. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it has been, uh, I think, one of the biggest thefts from the British people that, that have occurred in recent years. And we often discuss it, how any, anything good, anything enjoyable, they find anything that is enjoyed by the average person, the, the, the ordinary person that just wants to, you know, go to work, um, have, have, a, have, a, have a beer, watch the football, all of that has now been seized upon. So you can't do any of that stuff now without being absolutely force-fed sheer propaganda. Um, tell, us about, tell, us, just tell, tell, tell us about the swipes. The screen, the screen. Oh, yeah. So as if, as if all that stuff wasn't enough, now when there's a cut to a different camera, you have to have a little infographic that either tells you how great it is to be gay or... Uh, or, or indeed trans. I mean, gay is a bit passe now. You've got to go further than that. You've got to be trans now. Yeah. Um, or indeed gay, to be black. Or gay is racist to, now. Yeah, exactly. Gay is <laughs> the part. Now it's all about being trans, but also being a trans person of colour, if you can, um, and trying to tick all the boxes at once. Um, can you? Well, I, I mean, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why can't you Why can't you go full trans? <laughs> um, and, and this has all happened and it's and it's it's been done off the back of the pandemic because it means they were able to do it without any and any of those inconvenient fans coming in and telling people what they thought. Yeah. So they've been able to do this in a very Orwellian, um, uh, you know, sort of autocratic top-down way. Mm. And it has, in the space of little over a year, completely ruined what I know a lot of Americans aren't a fan of, but what is the most popular sport on earth? So let me, and, let me, let me address that for a second, because a lot of Americans I know, and, and then there are a lot of Americans I know that watch soccer and that, that, that love it. And the premier league is becoming a bigger thing here. You start to see it more in, in bars, but, but really it's still seen as, as a, as a sort of metropolitan liberal elite sport in the United States. Um, and, and, and it doesn't have, you don't have the sort of ultras, um, or hardcores or working class types of fan bases as you do, uh, in the United Kingdom and across Europe. And, and I want to, I want to address that a little bit here because a lot of the American audience, uh, and probably the majority, I would say, would still say like, oh, you know, soccer's just this kind of, you know, firstly, it's mostly girls that play it in, in at college level here in the US. At, at least, at least that is my knowledge from sort of watching American television and, and, and seeing how soccer is referred to. You know, there's a much greater stress on women's soccer, the women's USA team, than there is the men's USA team, for instance. 
And it's kind of being shifted that way. They also then look at players like Beckham with his frosted tips, uh, you know, all those years ago, and 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 Ronaldo, and they look at the diving element of it, and, and and you know all of that, and think, you know, this is not a this is not a man sport. This is a this is a frou frou sport. But but to us, that's not what it was. And you know, I, I would condemn the, the the simulation and the and the and the elitism around it as much as the the kind of critical American would. So I just want to sort of bring that home to remind the audience that. For, for for ordinary and 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 Ben, the English game, the the Netflix series, I think does a very good job of of establishing how it became uh, the working man's game, and and maybe we're even coming full circle here with this latest, uh, you know, in, in, in incursion by the elite in back back into the sport, right? So just talk to those, speak around those few topics. Yeah, well. Um, th- I've, I've been to a lot of uh, American sports, baseball, American football. And the fact is, you can, you can see the Cristiano Ronaldo's and Beckham's and, 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 and call it uh, a soft sport. But in Britain, certainly in the 80s and 90s, and still to a great extent now. Oh, Ben, did we lose you? I think we may have lost Ben there. We may have to reconnect with him. I'll try. I'll try. Um, because this this goes right to the heart of everything that's taking place um, across a manner of different industries. Ben, do we have you back? Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. We lost you there. Yeah, you can see you can see the Ronaldos and the Beckhams and think, yeah, whatever, but go on, take us from there. Yeah, so so the the experience of watching most football in Britain and indeed across a lot of Europe was a very visceral one. It was, it was, it was dangerous in the eighties and nineties. You go to a football game, you, you might get into a fight, you might get beaten up, you, you might get hit by a bottle and you didn't get any of that in American sport in my experience. And of course there's a lot of bad things about that, but what it describes is how visceral, how raw uh, football is and it's, and it's roots in Britain is and, and, and it's, connection to the working classes you know this was not uh, a sport that you go to in a pretty hat and <laughs> and you know eat your cucumber sandwiches um this has always been in britain a, a, a tough sport and a, and a sport you've got to be tough just to go and watch um probably tougher to go and watch in the 80s and 90s than, than to play but it's um, interesting that you mentioned cucumber sandwiches there, because one of the one of the pejoratives about the elite who go to and sit in the you know in the sky boxes, really much the owners and the owners' friends and and those sorts of people, they are they are you know critiqued as you know prawn sandwich munchers, right? The people who just go to have the canapes in the sky boxes, and 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 those are the people who have been taking over the sport, not just in the UK, but 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 globally, been taking over the sport, um, buying up the big clubs. Um, trying to buy titles by just spending loads of cash, inflating the prices of players, inflating the salaries, you know, therefore inflating what the average punter ends up having to pay to watch the matches. Uh, you know, I think I must have four or five different subscriptions now just to just to get all the Man United games uh, here in the US. I think there's an NBC Sports one and a Fox Sports one and an ESPN Plus one that I have to have. And there's all the other there's a bunch of matches that I don't get to see because some of them are only aired on Mexican television stations. And and there's this kind of inflationary pressure of greed that's driving all of this. To the point where most, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you know more of the detail on this than I do. 
Are all of these clubs that have signed up to this new European Super League, are they all foreign-owned? Yes, or at least their chief executive is is from foreign extraction. Yeah. So yeah. you've got the, the, the Glazers at United, Roman Abramovich is Russian, Glazers are American, yeah. Roman Abramovich is Russian, um, the Man City end is I think a, a Thai, yeah. um, at Arsenal you've got um, uh, a sort of, you know, a, a board but with a lot of foreign parties on it. Um, Spurs actually I'm not, I'm not sure about. Um, but yeah, that's, tot- it, that's it, Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. So, so, so foreign ownership, that's really been something that's come about in the last 20, 20, 30 years and, and has totally changed the game. And now it's changing the, the, um, the underlying nature of the game as well, which is, you know, where it's played, when it's played, how it's played, who gets to watch, who gets to compete. Um, so there will be people out there who are thinking, Oh, a European Super League! I can, you know, I can watch Real Madrid playing Man United and watch, you know, all all these great teams playing each other. AC Milan playing Arsenal and all these teams. Well, I would say great teams, Arsenal, not not so great teams as well. Um, you know, Ben's an Arsenal supporter. Um, what's wrong with that? Why? Why? You know, that sounds like a step up. Uh, well, I've discussed what's wrong with with removing competition from sport. Um, so, so that's a major thing that's wrong with it. Yeah. But what's also wrong with it is at the moment we already have a Champions League where European teams can, can play. And that's, and that's part of the football season. But the main part of the football season is, is the domestic league, is, is playing oh. other teams from your own country. Mm. And what you don't get in American sport, I know you have the World Series there where, you know, was it US and Japan mm. and, and some Canadian teams play, but, but football is... Um, a, a world sport, and you also have with football the uh, the, the international team tournaments, the national team tournaments, and for, for, for very many years now, those teams have been such an important element of nationhood and identity for, for a lot of citizens, as you well know. Mm. When there's a World Cup on, yeah. um, that you 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 for, for a very short space of time flying the the flag of your country is no longer illegal yeah. and uh, <laughs> you can you can you can happily um you know fly a flag uh, from your house without the council uh, trying to uh, trying to get you to remove it and it's an opportunity to actually for people to be proud of their country via their football team and not just about the football aspects of the country but but about everything about their country and that's been a great thing and that's something that we're losing with our with our shamefully the England team taking the knee before games and all these sorts of things that have, that have crept in. And it's been such an important part of our national identity and of, and of the patriotic movement um, for, for 50 years and more, I would say. Um, so you, 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 when you get a situation where there is advocacy for removing all that and removing the teams from, from a sense of place and a sense of community, um, I think you are you are debasing what not only football is all about, uh, but 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 what sport is all about. And I actually think what what the big picture of this is. And I've been speaking to conservative members of parliament about this all day and trying to explain to them why I think this is important. Um, and their response with a lot of the 
some of the older school ones that you know have been in power for a few decades, they're still very much signed up to the to the neoliberal agenda and still say, well, what's the problem with foreign uh, owners and foreign companies coming in and, and, and engaging in all this globalization? Yeah. Um, they 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 are still operating on that that 80s Wall Street precepts of greed is good. And I think mm. one of the most important things that Donald Trump did, despite being an emblem of, of the 80s at the time, was to say that actually uh, a country is about more than money and a life is about more than money and a community is about more than money. And actually, as Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream culture, not economics. You know, people will actually sacrifice a lot of their, their, their wealth in order to feel a sense of identity to to feel a sense of national pride and of course throughout the history of the united kingdom and the united states there are a great many heroes that have sacrificed their lives because they felt they were contributing to something greater and i think where we've fallen into in a, in a trap on on the right more than the left is this notion that profit is king that's all that matters and if we can make an extra hundred million a year in this european super league that's better than playing the old boring you know local teams well no it isn't because what you're doing is you're is you're debasing your community you're debasing your nation and all of those things are actually far more important than than, than money and what we've got now i think as a big part of the movement on the right and where we see a lot of pushback from those you know, libertarian neoliberals is to actually say no, greed isn't good you know, greed is not is not a Christian principle. Um, greed is a negative thing. Greed is destructive, and we need to get back to a place where we realise the value of communities, the value of nationhood, the value of identity, and that's that's what this debate is really about, and that's what is at stake here. I think if you got past the first five minutes and you're still with us, um, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's. You know that's the payoff right there. What Ben, what Ben said, and what Ben talked about is is, you know, this is this is going to rip communities apart if it's allowed to happen. So let's get on to whether or not it will be allowed to happen, Ben. Um, I don't know if there are any any laws in place specifically that can deal with this. There may be something there that that addresses something like this that can be dug up and used. There may be there may be legislation drafted up uh, to deal with this from a from a you know from a political perspective. I mean, I know I know the prime minister has gotten involved with this debate already, and, and so he should. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. It's one of the few things I've been grateful for for Boris yeah. Johnson doing in in in, in recent years. Um, but let's talk about uh, where where the Premier League itself stands, where FIFA stands with the with the World Cup as a result of this, and and where the players might end up standing. Because it strikes me that if you're an owner and you're greedy and you want JP Morgan's debt financing so you can set up this different league and sell different television rights and and all of that, but then at the same time. FIFA, the governing body uh, uh, internationally, is saying, well, if you go and do this and set up an entirely new competitor network to us, um, then we're not going to let your players compete in the World Cup. So how is that going to play with the players? Well, I think, I think what's, what's happened is, and it's the same with, with all of the LGBT and, and BLM propaganda, is that these people that now run these football clubs are so out of touch with the public and and with the country that they are operating in, 
that they they probably all agreed that, that this would be a very popular idea. What has happened? It is it is it has been made very clear in the space of 24 hours that this is universally unpopular on the right, on the left, in politics, in football, with the fans, with the players, with the managers. Everyone is saying no to this, um, and I think they will pull back from it when that becomes obvious. When they when they pick up a, a newspaper or actually listen to some of the people that um, that, that, that 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 are part and parcel of the game of football. stakeholders. I think they will put the stakeholders. I think they will put their tail between their legs and they'll sort of say, "Oh, we were only exploring it, or we didn't," you know. You, and everyone will start pointing the finger mm. in different directions. But I think what needs to happen, you know, so as I say, I don't think this will happen because I think it's such a crazy idea and it's so unpopular and it will destroy, and this is this is the important part for these clubs, it won't only destroy the game of football, it will destroy these clubs yeah. because they might get their 300 million next year, but that's the end of them. Yeah. You know, they're not going to have any more fans, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to have any more players. Um, and... Therefore, I think what needs to happen now is, whether it happens or not, I think punishments need to be handed down and lessons need to be learned. So what I would do, first and foremost, is I would make very clear to these teams that if you do this, you will not be allowed to play in the Premier League, you will not be allowed to play in the respective National Leagues, La Liga in, in Spain, uh, Serie A in, in Italy, um, you'll not be able to play in the World Cup, you'll not be able to play in the Champions League, um, and you will therefore be completely isolated from the world of football, um, and I think w- when the, if they if they don't go through with it, they still need to receive uh, punishments in terms of docking of points, in terms of all the threats I've just mentioned, yeah. and in terms financial of financial penalty. Yeah, but I, financial But 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 I think what what needs to happen from a political point of view, which is really what I and the, and, and the Bay Group deal with, is that we need to to put legislation through that ensures that this can't happen again and explores the reasons why this has happened which has really been the taking away of the power of football clubs which are supposed to be clubs and a club is a membership organization they've taken away the power of the 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 fans the members and put it in the hands of a few ceos and i think we need legislation to come through to restructure the league so that the league is placed back in the hands of the fans and there also needs to be an independent regulator, and I think restrictions on foreign ownership of teams. I think we need to go back to British ownership of British teams and the fans being in charge. And actually, if this if this turns out to be a, a point where we recognise how far we've fallen, and and we we realise that we need to do something, maybe there'll be a positive out of it that that we can redress things and turn football back into a sport and away from being just a, a business for plutocrats and oligarchs. So this is almost a, a, a complete like-for-like like analogy with, you know, with the value of citizenship and, and the, the devaluation of citizenship uh, and, the, and, and the movement of power from the um, hands of, uh, you know, the, the wider public, the electorate, uh, into the hands of, of oligarchs, bureaucrats, plutocrats, you know, call, call them what you will, whether it's the, the Bill Gateses or the Anthony Fauci's or, or, or what, what have you. I mean, this, this is a one-to-one comparison to me, Ben. And it's, it's the same thing, and it is part and parcel of the same thing. I, I always recall the story of I went to university in, 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 in France, in, in Strasbourg, and a lot of the people I was at university with were very pro-EU and wanted to go on and, and work for the European Union, 
And a lot of them went on to the, the feeder training school, the European school in Bruges, and I went to visit them there. And I attended their lectures. And this was back in uh, the sort of early to, to mid-2000s. And they were, they were all being taught that the nation state is a thing of the past. And we've got to train people to discard their nation and to stop seeing their identity as, as being on the basis of the nation. And, and, and the football has been a tool, sadly, um, in the last 10 years to that end, whereas it was once a great emblem of, of, of nationhood. And so it is absolutely wrapped up in citizenship and identity because what it's saying now is Manchester United has nothing really to do with Manchester. It has nothing to do with Britain. It just has to do with money and the fact they've got a lot of money. And so they fly around the world playing these games with, with, with teams from, from, from distant corners of the earth, with right. players that have no connection to Manchester or no connection to Britain. Um, and so really what, what life and identity is about is just about material goods and material wealth. Um, and it has nothing to do with where you're from or a community um, or, or, or an identity. Um, and I think that is, that is broad brush how Western civilization is being destroyed. The irony, of course, with that, Ben, is that I'm a Manchester United fan and have nothing in common with Manchester. And the, I think I've been twice. And the, um, the way that I became a Manchester United fan was because of when my father was uh, living in Tanzania, where he was, where he was born... Um, Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham were were the big teams on the world stage, and so you know they just they just sort of picked one, right? And and as a child, I remember uh, having this conversation with my father, and I was saying to him, "Well, look, uh, you know, I don't really want to support Manchester United," and of course he said, "Well, you know, if you live in my house, you support Manchester United," and I wasn't, you know. I wasn't old enough at five years old to get a mortgage and and, and move out. Um, so I ended up supporting Manchester United. But others who had done that, of, of you know, had a similar background to me, uh, their parents came from the same part of the world, East Africa, moved to the UK, and their parents supported Manchester United. They, some of them, and I, and, and I, I somewhat regret not doing this myself in my sort of early teens, went on to develop a... A, a relationship with their more local um, teams. So Chelsea, for instance, in West London, I think some of them went over to, to and supported QPR, again, West London, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I am sort of, I am sort of the, the uh, you know, the, what you don't want as a fan, which is I've got, I've, yeah. I've got no skin in, in Manchester. I've got no skin in the community. I've got no skin uh, in, and, and as you say, the club, Right, I am not a member of that club per se, and um, you know, I think I think this is the thing that's that's really that really makes me, you know, because I because I have a lived experience with kind of the problem in and of itself. It's what makes me really angry about this, and it was it's what makes me look to Germany as a, as a good example of how to do it. And I was I was reading up on this just to make sure I had my facts right this morning, but fifty one percent of the clubs in germany must be owned by the club i.e the fan base the membership yeah yeah that's way to do i mean you're right you are part of the problem and i think it's interesting <laughs> that your that your that, that your support of manchester united happened to coincide with their most successful period um in 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 recent history 
um, where they were dominating the Premier League and, and doing well in Europe. So yeah, but but but, but in my defence, I will say that I did not abandon them in harder times. Yeah, well, look, as an Arsenal fan, there's been no glory hunting on my part. I'm yeah, sure and you're also back. you're not from North London, so. Well, the Arsenal is the closest team to, to where I live. They don't. Well, I, I did, hold I, on. I, in, in in my younger in my younger days, uh, I I supported Bishop Stortford Town. <laughs> well, um, get I, back I'm to it. To give a, I'm delighted to give a shout out to Bishop Stortford Town on your on your podcast. Well, send this to um, me because but, it's but, one of the top podcasts in America, and I'm sure Bishop Stortford Town will be keen for the exposure. Yeah, um, I'm uh, sure they will. Um, I'm glad to do it. But the the the, the point is that. The the football has been going downhill for a long time in this regard. Yeah. It's been incrementally becoming less and less about the fans, less and less about the community, less and less about the players, and yeah. more and more about money. And you came in at a certain point of that. Well, we both did. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I think um, had we been around fifty years ago or a hundred years ago, uh, we would have just been linked to our local club. Yeah. Um, and I think that was probably a, a better settlement. Um, what what we have now um, is is a situation where these clubs are pitching to the Chinese market because that's mm. where they see their money. So that, so that, so they don't care if n- not a single British person comes to their games. They just want to get this this content, these big shiny teams, and broadcast them out to the to the Far East mm. um, where they can get their TV revenue. Um, and from a from a financial point of view, I'm sure that looks great on a balance sheet. But that's not what a football club is for. It is not a business. It is it is it is a community organisation. It is a sport, and we've been falling away from that for, for for decades now. And to an extent, yes, we've been victims and perpetrators on that on that route. But what I'm saying is maybe this this incident can just underline how far we have fallen yeah. and remind us to get back to the Bishop's Thorford Towns. But I don't understand have rainbow flags in their corner. If that's the case, I'll I'll join. I'm in. If you, yeah, if well, you, your Bishop's Thorford Towns my team. Don't if, start trying to horn in on my <laughs> team. Get your own team. Hold on. I'm going to buy Bishop's Thorford Town. <laughs> Hold on, no, that's the, we're the same problem now. So it's part of the problem. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> part of the problem. yeah. Um, no, but 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 I think that's where a lot of football fans are actually, because I've spoken to so many football fans before this happened that yeah. say, I can't be bothered watching it with the BLM stuff, with the LGBT stuff, and I know a lot of American sport fans are the same, you know, boycotting yep. the NBA and the NFL because yep. they just don't want the propaganda. They love the sport, they love sport, yeah, and sport is a fantastic thing. It teaches us so many important <laughs> it's lessons. It's true. It's, I just it's, went. It's, I just went out and bought my first ever set of golf clubs today. I'm very. I'm. You know. Right. I want sport. I do. Yeah. It, it, it just. It, it, you know. It, it feels like sport doesn't want us anymore, Ben. Well, I don't think sport ever wanted us. But um, <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> but but it but it's uh, well. Anytime you like, boy, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a run for your money. But. Uh, more, than, it, more, it a, more, more than welcome, more than welcome to come out on the links when you're visiting this side of the world. Yeah, well, we'll do it. We'll do a live podcast. Fine. But In fact, you say that. I guarantee you. Now that you've said that, I'm going to get messages from people that say, "Please do a live podcast from the golf course." Well, do you not remember the the Farage Classic 
yeah. in in Arizona, which I won handily. Yeah, this was a mini um, golf. This was a mini golf game that Ben and I played. It was hung over at the Biltmore. It, yeah, it was a putting green. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a putting green, but a win's a win. <laughs> win's a win. You know, so I say any sport you want, anytime, anywhere. Any sport I'll, I want. I'll compete with you. Any sport you want, anytime, anywhere. I'll I'll compete with you. Oh, I think we. I think but, I think I think a, a triathlon's in store. Because it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's a thing that that teaches us a lot about ourselves and about um, reality. You know, which of course many people have departed from now, and it's a masculine thing yeah. as well, which which is great for society and it's great for raising children. Um, and there is so much that is wholesome and, and important about sport, and all these sports fans throughout the throughout the world who who love sport but hate what their sports have become. I think the answer to that is is get back to the grassroots. Let's yeah. let's get back to the local teams. Let's start setting up teams of our own. Um, if the Manchester United and the Arsenals of the world are going to disappear in jets over the horizon to Barcelona, um, let's let's begin again. Um, but the the value of sport will will never change. And I think there's a big part of the of the approach of cultural Marxism is to destroy that value, to destroy that reality to destroy that importance of strength and and resilience and hard work um and that's what we must we must cling on to with regard to sport but with regard to society we 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 must remember the the, the values of of nationhood and and patriotism and that greed is not good um as we as we come out of some of these um horrific destructive incidents that the european super league is emblematic of now Well, Ben, I think you sum, summed it up best. I don't have anything to add. Right. Well, what you need to add is where we're going to play each other and in what. Because I'm there, boy. FIFA, Xbox, tonight. Right. We're on for it. And I want to <laughs> see the results public. I want to see the results public. No, oh, what's that, Ben? You're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ben Harris Cooney. Make sure you check out bowgroup.org. Uh, Follow them at bowgroup and at B underscore HQ is Ben's uh, handle on social media. He's on all of them. So am I. Make sure you find us at Raheem Kassam, thenationalpulse.com. I know it's a different topic than you might be used to with me but i don't think it's a different world you know it's all part of the same battle that's going on on all different sides of the world in all different industries the good versus the evil the globalists versus the nationalists etc etc the fight goes on head on over to the nationalpulse.com please make sure you share this podcast leave a review I'll take five stars, please. Four at minimum. Um, and I really, really am grateful for all of those supporters out there who decide they like our work and they go to fundrealnews.com. And then you can join in. We have a private chat channel. I'm in there every day. You can ask, <laughs> you can ask them. And uh, join up and I'll see you in there. And for those already in there, I'll see you in there. <laughs>